Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God always has his witnesses or prophets to perform these tasks for warning. Usually it's for warning. And God also will send two prophets in the tribulation to, uh, to warn and to perform judgments on a world that has rejected Christ and has spurned his offer of forgiveness and salvation. That's who these two witnesses are. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ, a radio ministry with senior pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, we learn about the two witnesses during the tribulation period on the earth. These witnesses are two of the more interesting characters of Revelation. The character of their ministry is prophetic as prophets of old. They will preach God's message. They will demonstrate repentance that is shown in their garments of sackcloth. And they have an effective ministry because God gave them his power. Such power, in fact, that they are able to witness for 1,260 days in spite of the antagonism of the world. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Uh, Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to read through uh, Revelation chapter 11. In fact, I'm just going to go ahead and start reading it. We're going to read through the first 14 verses, and then we'll go back and take a look at it. In Revelation chapter 11, it says, Then I was given a reed, John speaking here, he says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple. For it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months, or three and a half years, or 1,260 days. (laughs) And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will witness, or they will prophesy, excuse me, 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. And when, they're, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. 
and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. And in the earthquake seven thousand people were killed. And the rest were afraid, notice, and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. If you remember, last week we looked at... um, The first two verses of Revelation chapter 11, we talked about a third temple that is yet to be built. And it's a temple that will be built on the Temple Mount as we see it today. And we believe it will be built probably just to the north of the Dome of the Rock, based on what we read here in in Revelation chapter 11. And we looked at the different temples throughout Israel's history, getting us up to not only the Tribulation Temple, which is what is being referred to here but also the millennial kingdom, the millennial temple that will be built when Jesus physically comes back to the earth after the tribulation period. And I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to that. Are you looking forward to that? I mean, think about it. Right now, we are not even in our glorified bodies yet, and yet there's coming a time where the Lord is going to snatch the church up off the earth. We are going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. Our bodies are going to be made incorruptible, We will meet the Lord in the air. We will be with him during that time of of tribulation that we're reading about, that we've been reading about. We will not be here on the earth. We will be with him in glory. And yet God will pour out his wrath on earth upon those who have rejected his son, his only means of salvation. They've spurned his offer of salvation and redemption. And there is no other choice for a human being if they spurn the work of Christ, there's only one thing left for you, and that is eternal damnation in hell for eternity. Do you understand? I believe all of us in this room understand. It is a horrible thing to consider. You know, so often we talk about heaven and hell, and it can become kind of glib after a while. We get used to it. But it is no no laughing matter. It is no, you know, I hear young guys say, oh man, I can't wait to go to hell. All my buddies are going to be there drinking Bud Light. And I'm like, really? Is that what you think hell is like? Well, you need to read the scripture. Because the scripture has a whole different description of hell. And if you're born again this morning, you'll never see it. You'll never see it. And that joy that you have, that hope that you have within you, the spirit of God dwelling in you and the hope of of glory, that's the kind of stuff that we need to share and we need to make vocal. We need to do it. We need to do it now. Time is running out. Have you noticed that things are getting a little weird? It's going to get a whole lot weirder, folks. And if you're not grounded in the faith, if you're not grounded in the word of God, you are going to be deceived. And you're going to be duped. And you may, even as a Christian, you can be deceived. It's not going to lead you to hell, but it's going to create problems for you. If you're saved, I believe you're always saved. That's a gift that God gives, and he doesn't take it back. But the devil can make your life miserable, and your life can be stamped out as far as a witness is concerned. There, there's so many Christians in the world today that hide in their homes, and they, they have no desire to reach the lost. 
And their witness is just vanquished. It's just gone. And yet God has called us to be alive. That's why we, I, need revival. But let's go back here. These two witnesses, this temple. We know that this temple that is being built is a a temple that the Antichrist is going to broker for the Jews in the first half or the first three and a half years. We know the tribulation period is a total of seven years. In that first three and a half year period, the Antichrist will allow them to, um, through negotiations, through politics, through all kinds of things, he's going to allow them to build their temple on the Temple Mount. And, um, and he's going to be a very good negotiator. He is a great deceiver. He's a great manipulator. He is a grand opportunist. And we, they won't know him as the Antichrist, folks. We use that term like we know him. But at, we don't know who he is today, and we, we won't know because the church will be removed before he is revealed. But listen to this. Even after we are removed, the world is not going to see him and go, Oh, that's the Antichrist. Welcome to New York. No, they're not going to say that. They're going to see him as a very excellent statesman. He is probably going to be a handsome fellow. He's probably going to be very educated. He's probably going to be able to speak seven languages fluently. He's probably going to be very intelligent, a very good speaker. He's going to have charisma and power. (laughs) And, And God says that he's going to give him all power. At a certain point in his ministry on the earth, the Antichrist is going to be given all power. God is going to give it to him. To let, him, to let him see what he's going to do with this power. And we know the end of the story. He's toast. <laughs> and I'm thankful for that. But he's a very good negotiator. But let's look at these witnesses now. In verse 3 it says, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days. That's also 42 months. That's three and a half years if you do the math. Now, when you think of a witness, uh, in Israel's history, God has always seen fit to send prophets to the nation. Not only to the nation of Israel, but to other nations around them, pagan nations. God has sent prophets to not only the kings of Israel, but also sent prophets like Jonah to Nineveh to warn them of impending judgment. So he's not just the God of the Jews, he's the God of all. Right? He's not just the God of the Jews. Jesus is the God of all the world, the, u- the universe. He made it all. It belongs to him. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth shows forth his handiwork. Right, And so God always has his witnesses or prophets to perform these tasks for warning. Usually it's for warning. And God also will send two prophets in the tribulation to, uh, to warn and to perform judgments on a world that has rejected Christ and has spurned his offer of forgiveness and salvation. That's who these two witnesses are. And God wants to use you as a witness too. Are you willing to be used as a witness in the world that we live? Well, before you say yes, let me read you what witness really means. It, the, the word in the Greek is martis. It's where we get our word martyr from. It's someone who records. It's someone who sees something. And it's not only that, but it's somebody who gives their life, if necessary, to, uh, for the cause of Christ, and usually violently. Now, not every, um, every missionary, not every Christian is martyred. But isn't it true that we should die daily? Isn't that what Paul said? He said, I die daily. That means dying to my own self, dying to my own desires, dying to my own will. And that is the hardest battle you're going to make in your life, is the will of your own self, life. You know, dying for the Lord, sometimes that can can happen. 
and you have nothing to do about it. You're there in a place, and just like Jim Elliott, he was shot or with a spear uh, by the Aka Indians in Ecuador. He didn't know it. I mean, he, he was in the battle, and it, it took his life. In a moment, his life was taken. But yet we're called to die to self, and that requires a decision on our part to put off the old man, to put off the old deeds of our flesh, and to put on the new man, which is in Christ Jesus. Are you willing to do that? And in that way, you're being a martyr, a modern-day martyr. Put to death those things. Put to death those things. Now, as we read that already, that passage, let me ask you a question, a show of hands. Are these two witnesses two literal people, or are they, do they somehow symbolize the church? Raise your hand if you think it's some, these two witnesses symbolize the church. Good. Do they symbolize Israel? Raise your hand if they symbolize Israel. They don't symbolize Israel either. These are two literal individuals. In fact, what is the, there's a rule of interpretation. It says, if the first sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense. It's very obvious, very obvious. And how can we say that? Are there any clues? Well, first off, it says so. There's two witnesses. They are going to be physical people. They are going to be, they're going to be killed, actually. And their bodies are going to lay in the street for three and a half days. They're going to be resurrected. And then they're going to ascend into heaven after their testimony. You can't look at that any other way than by two individuals. Two physical people. Two people. Nothing else. Does that make sense? When you read it, it makes sense. That's the way you need to read the Bible. Read it literally, except when it lends itself to poetic measures like similes and metaphors. You understand in context that it's speaking of those kinds of things. But when it says something, take it for literal, because most of the errors in Bible interpretation occur when people start spiritualizing things, and they, take, they go out on tangents. Believe me, there's all kinds of aberrations, weird things out there about these two witnesses. Oh, it's the church. It's Israel. It, it says it's two people. It's two witnesses. Let's just take it for what it says. Amen? So, notice that they will prophesy 1,260 days. That's 42 months, three and a half years. And we're going to see these phrases in the prophets and in the book of Revelation yet. And the reason for it is very clear. The Lord is putting this 70th week of Daniel, this last seven-year period, he's putting it in perspective for us, helping us to understand that when he mentions three and a half years, however, he, however it's labeled, whether it's 42 months, three and a half years, 1,260 days, he's giving us a hint of where these things are positioned in the tribulation period so that we can understand. And even still, there's some differing views on when these two witnesses will be ministering. Some believe they'll be ministering in the first half of that three, uh, of that three and a half year period. Others believe it'll be in the second half of the three and a half year period. But I believe they will be ministering in the first half of the tribulation. And one of the reasons I think so is because I don't believe that people will be in a place of making merry and rejoicing and giving gifts to each other on Amazon Prime to each other during the second half of the tribulation. What is Revelation 11.10? We're going to get there, but what does it say? And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another through Amazon Prime. Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. 
When you look at the second half of the tribulation, which we're, come, we're, we're right in the middle, we're, we're going to be tipping over into the second half, and it's worse than anything else. It, it gets worse and worse and worse. I don't think people are going to be concerned about making merry and having parties and going on their iPhones and sending gifts to somebody. The prophets are dead. Here's a couple of dolls. You know, they look like, just like them. Look at that. They're made in China. They're not going to be interested No one's going to be interested in looking and having parties. It sounds like things are fairly normal, even though things have been going on for about three and a half years that have been hard. We've already looked at that. We've looked at the seven seals, and we've looked at six of those trumpets. The seventh trumpet we're going to look at next week. So I believe that this is that they prophesied and ministered in this first half of the tribulation. Remember what Jesus said, these words. There will be... For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive it. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. It's going to be a very difficult time. I don't think anybody's going to be giving gifts toward the end. They're going to be running for their lives. They're going to be freaking out, trying to find out a way to end their life because of what's going on and who they know is coming. I tell you, the terror in the lives of people is going to be horrendous. That's why it's so important for us to receive Jesus now. Will people be able to receive Christ after the rapture of the church? Yes, the Bible clearly states that. We've looked at Revelation 7, the 144,000, these two witnesses. There'll be others, many people, who will be saved. But it's going to be really, really difficult, folks. Really difficult. Deception, wars, and all kinds of judgments happening upon the earth. And the Antichrist, this political man, will come on the scene and explain it all away. And everyone will go, oh, we believe that. It sounds so smooth and good. Where's ice cream? Notice, these are two olive trees, verse 4, and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. Now, when we look at these two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth, we have to... um, We have to go back. This is a reference to an Old Testament passage back in the book of Zechariah. And uh, if you would, go ahead and turn to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 3 talks about um, Joshua the high priest. Remember, the children of Israel were in Babylon. They get released from Babylon. They come back and they begin to rebuild their temple. And that temple is what we called last week Zerubbabel's temple. It's a temple that wasn't as great as Solomon's temple originally was. It was uh, limited in its glory like the first temple. And, but this chapter 3 of Zechariah, Joshua the high priest who comes back from Babylon, him and Zerubbabel, who's also the governor at that time, they begin to rebuild the temple. And Zechariah chapter 3 talks about Joshua being withstood by the enemy, withstood by Satan, and also Zerubbabel in his attempts to rebuild the temple. There was a man by the name of Sanballat the Horonite, if you recall. And he and other people were trying to keep the temple from being built again. They wanted to keep the Jews from rebuilding their temple. They were under great duress, so much so that they had to have one shovel in one hand and a sword in the other. That's how difficult things got. And as you look at what these two, um, these two witnesses, what they're going through as well, they are in, they are, they're at that time of this tribulation temple and are they under duress yes you better believe it just like these two other men joshua and zerubbabel let me read this to you it says now the angel who talked with me uh this is zechariah chapter four 
The angel who talked back or uh, talked with me, excuse me, came back and awakened me as a man who was waking out of sleep. And he said to me, "What do you see?" And so I said, "I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and a stand seven, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right hand." Of the bowl and the other uh, at its left. And so I answered and I spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me said to me, Don't you know what these are? And I almost want to go, um, No, I, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't know. Please tell me. And he goes, No, my Lord. And so he answered and said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the way that temple was going to be built, was by the Spirit of God, by his divine intervention. And who are you, O great mountain, God says, before Zerubbabel? Who shall become, uh, you shall become a plain, and you shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands have also finished it. Then you will know that the Lord God of hosts has sent me to you, and who, uh, for who has despised the day of small beginnings? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, and these are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. And then I answered, and I said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right hand of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? And then he said to me, Do you not know what these are? And at this point I'd be looking at the angel and going, Just tell me. He said, no, my Lord. He said, these, this is the verse, these are the anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the whole earth. And so now we get the answer in the very last verse of chapter 4. Who are these olive trees and these lampstands? And the answer is, these are the two anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the whole earth. And I believe that these two witnesses of Revelation are real people who personify. They may not be Joshua and Zerubbabel. They may not be, but they're going to serve a similar function. I believe they personify those two olive trees and those two lampstands because these men, the olive trees and the oil they yield symbolize we know the Holy Spirit of God, right? And oil is used to light those lamps so that the lights might illuminate to bring light. And Joshua and Zerubbabel began the work of the new temple after the Babylonian captivity with much toil and persecution. And so too these witnesses will be undergoing great persecution and a third temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. And so they are uh, very similar in nature, and I believe they personify it. In fact, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark Hitchcock said, These two end-time witnesses will shine in the darkness of the tribulation and will be fueled by the oil of the Holy Spirit. I love that. So, who might these witnesses be? There are three good candidates. There are three individuals in church history that are at the top of the list. There are others, but these are the three most important ones. And so those are the only ones we're going to take a quick look at today. They're individuals. Nearly all Bible scholars, pastors, commentators agree. And the first one is Elijah. Elijah. In Malachi chapter 4, Beginning in the fourth verse, it says this, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in the Horeb, in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and the judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Notice this. I will send you. Now, this is an Old Testament prophet. 
I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I think it's happening in the book of Revelation right now, right? This is the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's, a, it's, a, it's not just a day, it's a period of time. The day of the Lord is a period of time, and he's certainly doing that. And he says, I will send Elijah the prophet before the great and coming, uh, the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.